0: Welcome to Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, a new podcast series with the best health expertise in Bermuda. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Stanley James. Welcome back to Let's Just Kiss and Say Goodbye. I remember walking into the third room at the Kettering Medical Center in Dayton, Ohio. I'll never forget the sight. She lay there, fluorescent green, eyes sunken in the back of her head, with pale silver hair falling over her once beautiful brow. I could see the blue veins along the side of her temples, and she tried to put on some lipstick and lips that were faded away. She'd missed many spots. She was trembling, oh she was trembling, but her, her yellow fluorescent skin I cannot forget. 48 years old, she looked 70, once a healthy, very attractive woman, an athlete and a model. Now she lay there, no one came by to see her. Her years had been spent and snatched from her by a ravaging addiction that she had no power over. And even there, she looked at us, looking around her room, searching for the flask that had become her lover, her friend, and her doctor. Her liver had been tormented and obviously, now she was bleeding from Varika's veins in her throat. She had become emaciated, hadn't eaten very much. She has placed on alprazolam so that her tremors doesn't take her into delirium tremens and lead her to a seizure. She was very sick. Let's just kiss and say goodbye, a series that points to addictions and things that we've obsessed with that it's time to dispense of. Now, she, of course, is an extreme case of a lady who had become an alcoholic. Many people are functioning alcoholics. While they may not be on the third or the fifth floor of a hospital, they may not be fluorescent yellow. Many of them are just resting in peace, died prematurely, because they got hold of something that would not let them go. The devastation of addictions can lead to heart disease for alcohol, for some lung cancer, for nicotine. But there are other addictions that are a lot more acceptable. Things that we do, we just don't realize that we're addicted to them, or we dare not admit that we are. And though we're not as worn up and beaten down as she was, many of us are still dysfunctional. As I pulled to her bed and the others left the room, I was the intern having to work with her. I couldn't help but to be drawn to her story. She was a beautiful woman. She pulled out pictures. And she carefully pointed to her descent. What started out as just a casual drink of a nice, pretty insecure girl who drank just so that she can become comfortable with her friends. She didn't know that she was programmed differently. And while she would drink two, her friends would drink one, and she'd drink five, they'd drink two. And they'd leave and she'd keep drinking. And eventually the drinking became just something she did for herself, by herself. And then she'd drink with others and then drink alone. And what started out with light drink became very strong drink. But she soon discovered, that she'd often tell herself she wouldn't drink too much more, but she'd find herself at the bottom of a barrel, stammering and stumbling out of bars, not knowing how she got into her bed. And sometimes she was not in her bed alone to wake up with strangers. Addictions, some are gross and some are severe. And of course, they get condemned and people look at you with shame. And We see a wino stumbling down the road, and so we can feel better, we push him away in our minds. Whether it be the urine-stained clothing that he's wearing, or his hair that is matted on his head, or a brow that has been beaten by the sun like leather with lines all in it. Once a man of nobility and dignity, perhaps a family man, And now a scary man like a madman running in the hills by day and in the tombs by night. Addictions. They start out being things that are manageable. Yeah, she was telling me her story. She's a corporate executive eventually. And an athlete. But then the friends wouldn't come and a bad relationship came. and, And she was wound up as her best friend as the bottle. And, of course, she would pull herself together, but money began to lose. And then her job wasn't being able to be maintained. Not only did her husband leave, her job was gone and money disappeared. All she had was the bottle. Now feeling horrible because of so many assaults and insults, this bottle became her best friend. It's a place where she can go and hide, you see. And and hide she did. Hide from herself and hide from the people that would see her wasting away. And soon or later, she felt there's no way out. She gave up in despair. And now finding herself sitting on that floor at the Kettering Medical Center, turning yellow, liver-wasted, hoping for a transplant. But they even decided, we cannot give her a transplant because she's not a likely candidate to stop drinking. What makes people addicted to things anyway? Well, some people say there's a part of the brain called the limbic system. It's a reward and pleasure center that once stimulated, develops circulating roots, and then people, it's a feedback, you just keep going and going and going because it's a pleasure. But not everybody gets addicted to alcohol that drinks. It seems like some people may have a genetic predisposition to alcohol. Well, alcohol is one. What about nicotine? There are people who have addictions to cigarettes and Well, some people can stop. Others are chain smokers. Some may say, I don't drink and I don't smoke. And then you may find yourself running a line of cocaine or someone with marijuana, another with heroin. But there are addictions that are so much more familiar. We soon come to discover that sugar is an addiction. Some people who are depressed or oppressed find eating starchy foods addictive. Depressed or oppressed People who in abusive relationships find themselves running to comfort foods and comfort places, and you find yourself unable to break the addiction. The food becomes a friend, a rescue place. It becomes your policeman. It becomes your fireman. It becomes your doctor. It just seems like you can't get away. And so what makes addictions addictions? We don't know it all. But we've come to discover that they all seem to do the same thing. They consume us. They affect our personal lives. It injures our relationships. And she said she lost her husband. She lost some friends. And she stood there and she could tell me all the details. It affects our business. She lost her job. She could tell me the details of when they gave her her pink slip and she walked out stumbling out of that place back into a bar to a friend, the bottle. What's your friend? What's your bottle? What is the thing that seems to obsess you and take total control? The thing that you can't break free from, that secret that you have, something that you're hiding, something that you hold away, something that nobody knows. Some addictions are things that everyone askew look down upon, like perhaps alcohol when it becomes uncontrollable, or marijuana when it seems to have caused you psychosis. Or cocaine when it runs out your pocket out of your money. Or crack when you're on the street and you find yourself searching in every nook and cranny, hoping to find a rock just to satisfy your mind. Or someone else heroin, just that one more line, and you find yourself coping with substances to take their place, but you still haven't broken free from the dragon within. Oh, all this is pornography. Well, it's acceptable in many quarters and maybe corners and just run away from religious people and then your pornography is acceptable, but you can't do it in front of your wife. And you can't do it in front of your husband. And and so the addiction, it and consumes you. But we dare not speak of these things. And for others, it's work. Yeah, work is a highly functioning addiction. But look in your children's eyes. Every day is another day that you missed. Look at your arms of your wife. They're crossed and folded. Never to hold you like she used to. Perhaps one more day, just one more week, one more month. I just need to pay this bill. Addicted. And even when you don't have the commitments, you find yourself finding something to do. Well, be it better to your alcohol, sugar. We need to find out how to treat them. We need to be in a place where if someone understands. And, My well friends, I hope I can give you some help today. But also, not just understand, but someone who can stand over us and give us some instructions, and I hope as a doctor that some insights that we can give. The next series of lectures will take us through steps to battle our addictions. That lady, as I saw her there, I met with her and I would talk with her. But the first thing I noticed about her, she did not want to admit that her life was out of control. It's very fascinating. I was in Los Angeles and I Went to a 12 step program, an addiction recovery program. There was a lady she stood up. She was a Filipino lady who had come into America uh, and became adopted by an African American family living down south. She found herself uh, somewhat out of place, but she wanted to fit in. You know, many of the addictions that people get wrapped up in, it's really a displacement or trying to cope or compensate. Was something that just don't feel right. And she went out one night with this guy, and, and she enjoyed the company, but his brother came back from military, and she found herself more attracted to him. And that brother that came from the military took her out two weeks later, and he introduced her to something called cocaine. She said she never looked back. She left children in different states. She left her mind, her morals, and her money in back seats of cars, in bars, and in motels. And she found herself in Los Angeles, right down where she was in a recovery program. And the next couple days she took me to the very space um, where she actually found herself at rock bottom, it was there she looked up with a needle in her vein, and she said, it's time, it wasn't the children that stopped her, the three that she had left across the states, it wasn't her morality, her mind, or her morals, or her money, something happened, she hit a space in her life where she admitted that her life had become unmanageable, Unless we get to a place in our lives where we're honestly willing to admit that this thing that we are battling is bigger than us. Unless we get to a place in our lives where we're willing to confess that I'm out of control. Unless we stop hiding behind the next dress size from 10 to 11 to 12 and think that you can just get bigger dress sizes to hide the fact that you're really addicted to certain foods, sugars and starches. And those addictions are not being hidden very well because the bigger the dress the bigger the problem or perhaps you're just saying well i can hide my pornography addiction just nobody knows and everybody does it just you know it's okay until you get to a place where you realize my life is unmanageable it's eroding the intimacy in my marriage it's keeping me in a closet of control i find myself hiding things from my spouse And I'm losing my dignity in the process. For someone else, if it isn't sugar, it may not be that. It may be alcohol. Well, everybody does it. Bermudians like to drink. You kind of just make yourself comfortable. But you know deep down inside that your life is becoming unmanageable. Unless you're willing to face that most horrible thing that everybody hates to admit. I'm out of control. You're never going to get better. And so she told me how she sat there and she laid on the ground and looked up and she said, you know, my life is totally out of control. And someone came by just at that point and looked at her and said, do you need help? She checked into a rehab facility and in the rehab facility she got to look at herself and she saw where she had gone. And not only did she realize her life was out of control, she began to see the people she had hurt, the places she's gone, the things that she spent. And she said, I'm gonna do better. I'm just gonna stop. And someone was in the room with her, and they asked her, How many times have you said that? And if you're listening to that, I want you to ask yourself, how many times have you said I'm gonna stop eating that sugar? I'm gonna cut back on those starches. That now the COVID, the pandemic is over, I can't blame COVID. Uh, I'm gonna put this bottle down, I'm not gonna drink another one, I'm not gonna do another line, I'm not gonna take another rock. at some point in time, there's awakening that needs to take place. And with all the superficial trivialities and the music that we listen to and the jokes that go by and the humdrum at the workplace, we need to stop and admit that something is wrong in your life, that there's a piece of you that is missing or a tide that's slipping away or a tornado that's heading your way or synonymy that it's about to approach. And if you want to have a chance of escaping, running to the hills with what you've got left, leaving everything else behind, just your life, the first thing you want to do, you need to take the first step towards your liberation. And that is to only admit that you have been utterly defeated. Admitting your personal powerlessness may turn out to be the first step to finding your power. It is the bedrock for a happy and purposeful life is to admit that you're out of control. Well, she told me how that happened and she found herself in a program in Los Angeles and I actually went to the facility. And there she stood up and boldly told this story. I was in tears as she just told the truth, nothing but the truth. And I came to realize that many people are living lies As a matter of fact, we all have two faces. The one that people see and the one that we see. And she just took off the mask and said she had come to the place where she admitted that she was totally broke, broken. And if she doesn't get some help from something bigger and better, she knew her life was about to end. And I like that because the next thing she said was, she would have to come to admit, not only of her hopelessness, but she had to believe that there was something out there that guided her. When her mother let her come in from the Philippines and she found herself with an African American family and she did cheat with one guy and get with his brother, but there was something with her all along. Uh, She said she should have died a long time ago, that overdoses were just overdoses, that somehow she just escaped relationships where she had may have stolen things from people and, and gotten her herself to mixes and scrapes, she had just escaped just by nearby. If, if you're honest, despite the fact you live in a secular, atheistic world, agnostic world, you've adopted that to be safe or to be acceptable by people around you who do not want to admit their powerlessness or explore the possibility of faith in something bigger. We've actually allowed people to push out our power. You can still connect to the hope and the belief that when you're powerless there's a hand that you cannot trace that is more powerful than it's been tracking you. Somebody's listening to me today. If you can admit that over sugar you're powerless, over cocaine you've become powerless, over alcohol you're powerless, over addictive relationships that are injuring your marriage that your wife doesn't know about you're powerless. Over working to please a boss that has never satisfied you're powerless. I want you also to take the risk and admit that maybe there's something more powerful out there that can help you. You don't have to label it and name it and be part of a group, but just be humble and realize that you are not the most powerful. Make some space for something bigger that knows more and can love you better than you can love yourself if you can come to believe that there is a power greater than yourself and that that power can restore you back to, to your sanity. We're going to take steps for the next five lectures dealing with addictions to nicotine, addictions to alcohol, addiction to cocaine, addiction to heroin, Addiction to porn, addiction to work. I don't know what your addiction is, but you've come to realize that the things that you don't want to do, you're doing, and the things that you're doing, you just don't want to do. And if you're willing to go on a journey, come join us so that one day you can look at that thing that has been looking down on you, and you can say, let's just kiss and say goodbye. Goodbye by admitting that some area of your life you're out of control and taking the courage to step out of faith and believe that there's something bigger that can help you. I promise you, you'll be restored back to sanity and you'll have the peace and the power and the sense of presence that your little girl and your little boy are looking for. You can be embraced by those arms that haven't held you in a long time. You may not have it all, immaterial things, but you have things in order where it really matters. You've been restored into your right mind. If you don't, keep going the way you're going. Maybe you'll be like the lady at the hospital who still asks me for another drink. Green, yellow, fluorescent, varicose veins, coughing up blood, and she died. This is your call to action. This is Dr. Stanley James. Join us, and soon you'll be able to say to your addiction, let's just kiss and say goodbye. Thank you. This episode of Best Health has been sponsored by the Phoenix Store, where your health is our priority for a better life. You have been listening to Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, a new podcast series with the best health expertise in Bermuda. Thank you for listening.